Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And welcome to the home of the European Champions. Can you believe it? We've believed it all season. It was never in doubt. It was always going to be ours. Being positive right from the off. Hello. What, what do we do? How, how do we feel? It's incredible to analyse our feelings and also to tell of his, us of his journey across the water in these strange times. Mr Andy Saunders another european champion how are you mate you okay yeah i'm a european champion you're a european <laughs> champion it's, it's good quite surreal it? it's surreal is what it is it, haven't it re- quite processed it yet yeah i, I don't know what i i don't know where, i really am a bit confused i don't know whether i'm processing it whether i'm calm whether i'm stupidly excited i don't really know i, I keep getting these waves of oh my gosh we did it, and you know, we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. But we have had a, an air of confidence in a strange way about being the underdog. It's the best place for us, isn't it? It's what we love. We love every. I mean, you look at last week, everywhere, wall to wall. Man City's time has arrived. This is what they've been striving for. Now they're going to crown it all off. This incredible rise to the top by winning the Champions League. Mm. But you know, with yeah, football, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, the the, um, the cockiness of of Man City fans, the absolute certainty of the media, uh, the overwhelming sense that all they had to do was turn up was evident. Particularly in Porto, where they were strutting around, blue mooning themselves into a frenzy. Um, and then uh, turning up at the stadium and realising they actually had to play a game of football and then, I think, getting very nervous and not singing for the entire game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about last week the the fact that we were underdogs made us feel happier because... Oh, yeah. 
Did you not feel a little bit like when we went to Munich and the, all the, the preparation beforehand, we went, hey, look, we've got to a Champions League final. This team is sort of kind of on its last legs. You know, it's, it's going to be yeah, in the home of Bayern Munich. We're probably going to get turned over. But you know what? We'll go along. We'll enjoy the experience. We'll enjoy the game. The pressure was off. And it really felt like that this time around. I was calm I, I, all week. Well, I, I would caveat that a little bit by saying, yes, in Bayern Munich, we had absolutely no chance of winning. In, yes. in this case, I thought we were 60-40 underdogs. I, thought, yeah, I, I, I didn't think we, we would win, but I think we could win. In Bayern Munich, I didn't think we could win. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And also, you know, the, the whole thing about the City thing was everyone was building up the fact that, oh, well, Chelsea only beat their second string side twice. Well, ours wasn't our first string side either. You know, that there's so much twisted narrative that went on in the media. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was great because you felt there was a falseness coming that something could possibly give. Of mm. course they were the favourites. They were the champions. The, you know, we know that when they get it together, they play really good football. But you also know the first time in a final, as I said to some Manchester City friends of mine, the first time in a final, like the Champions League, you don't know what's ha- going to happen. You really don't. You mm. don't know whether the occasion will get to you. Okay, maybe it's different because it's two British teams. And you go, well, we play them all the time. But it isn't like that, is it? It is a European final and you never know how teams will react to the sense of occasion. Yeah, I think um, I think that all of that's very true. Uh, I don't think there's a better place to be than to be the underdog. As you say, all the pressure was on them. I said that before the game. I said it to Steve, who I went with. I said it to, to anybody that I spoke to who, who were expressing kind of nervousness about it. I said, listen, all the pressure's on them. It's a, it's a free hit for us, a complete free hit. We go in there and we, you know, if we perform well, if we, if we, if we play a decent game and we lose, I think we'll all go, well, it was amazing to get here. You know, it's kind of surreal that we're in the final anyway. If we win, it will be incredible. City can't do anything but win. If they don't win, it's a disaster for them. And, you know, I, I would much rather be in, in our position, which is turn up, play, see what happens. And, and, and that's what happened. We were superb. Yeah. Well, look, we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. I, I would like to just talk about the, the contrasting views of the game, because, of course, I was at home. Um, I didn't travel for it. Um, I felt gutted I wasn't going. But with various things, you know, it just it just made sense for me personally not to go. Um, you have the loyalty points, mate. <laughs> no. I think anyone could have had the loyalty points in the end. Um, well, as far true, as actually. I mean, I'd love yeah. to get to the bottom of this 800 tickets return thing. I mean, I know that it was 800 tickets that went to the travel firm that organised the, the one-day trip, you know. That I, but I'm, I'm very interested to, to, to kind of know what happened with that because I think you're right, you know, that probably if those had been on sale, you, you might have been able to, to go. So, and, and a lot of people might have been able to go. So I think that's something that needs investigating. Sorry, mate, I interrupted you there. No, that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because for some reason, my loyalty points were completely halved. It, it, was, it was very strange. One minute it was on 70 and the next I was on 35. So it kind of, look, I, I wouldn't have gone anyway, I don't think, just by the, the way things are, where I am in the world. I mean, we'll talk about your travel in a minute it, it's one of those things I, I I wish I had been there because I know what those occasions are like what it feels like especially to be going abroad to see the mighty blues but 
your day, I mean, it was a long old day, wasn't it, Andy? I mean, what time did you get up and what time did you have to get there for? Well, I, I'll, the flight was at 7.35 in the morning, which is actually quite reasonable, you know, because I've done the 5 a.m. ones before. Um, so 7.35 was quite reasonable, but I still live an hour and a half away from Gatwick. So I stayed in the hotel at the airport the night before, which is only like 70 quid. I mean, it's a, it wasn't a crazy amount of money. So I thought, you know, and it's it's in the airport. It's actually in Oh, the you airport. stayed in, I love that airport, that airport hotel. It's yeah, brilliant. So Hilton by Hampton or Hampton by Hilton, you know, right, right actually in the airport, which means you can literally run roll out of bed and roll to check out within a minute, which is great, you know, and uh, so I did that. Unfortunately, I mean, I thought I'd get a more of a line, but you had some very loud Chelsea fans who were on an earlier flight going, Oi, Terry, are you up, Terry? All that stuff outside my door. <laughs> so I was up at like 4am anyway, so, you know, can't be helped. Um, so I got, got, uh, got to check out, I think I was at check out at half five, um, and then... You know, got got to got to Porto. Um, I guess about ten, and then it was a long old day. And I eventually w- rolled into my house and into bed at seven a.m. the next day. So that's a Blimey. long old day. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, so did you take a bag with you then? Well, they said you could only take an A4 sized bag. I didn't even know what one of those was. <laughs> um, so I took a kind of drawstring backpack thing which I filled full of stuff so yeah so I took a I took a jumper essentially and my and the many many documents you had to take with you your you know travel locator and your PCR test and your you know your various other things that you had to take your UK coming back visa (laughs) this nonsense that I had to take so that'll to go with me um and, and and obviously lots of phone chargers because you know because that, that's the world we live in. So, yeah, I took a bag, but I didn't take a, you know, didn't take a rucksack with me. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, it's just uh, knowing what it's like travelling and having a bag with you going to football is a pain in the arse. Yeah. So, you know, especially I mean, if you haven't to stay away. Sort of, sort, of, sort of lying up and measuring. I and mean, there was a bag deposit place that you could put the bags in when you got to the ground, but that would have meant queuing for ages afterwards. So I couldn't be bothered with all that. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I mean, the so, process was pretty good, I have to say. I mean, as long as your PCR test came through. So everybody had to have a PCR test to get on the plane and it had to be valid for coming back as well within 72 hours. So that you had to do it on the Thursday. And obviously we flew out on the Saturday afternoon, which meant there was a, wi- a Saturday morning. So there was a very small window for you to get your test done and get the results back. And of course, quite a lot of people, well, I don't know how many people, but some people test results didn't come back mine didn't come back until the kind of late evening before we flew so it was a little bit of a sweat you know I was a little bit well is this going to come through you know because uh, obviously you get this text message or, or, or email on your phone um, so I was a little bit worried about that I got to the airport for checking a few people were kind of remonstrating going my test hasn't come in and, and, and they were going well you can't fly they won't let you in it's not a question of we won't let you on the plane when you get to Porto they won't let you in so those poor people who'd paid for their flights and, and all that other stuff they couldn't go so that was a bit of a nightmare. And then, of course, you had to do another date, what's called a day two test on the way back, which is one they send you in the post. But, of course, it's a bank holiday today. So you've got to go and find a, a, a post box that's a priority box that does a Sunday collection. So there's all this nonsense that you have to do. Um, and then you got to the airport and uh, once they'd, um, you know, once you'd, you'd got your... Uh, you know, got got onto the coach afterwards, having got through, they gave you a yellow wristband which said negative check, which, you know, meant you didn't have to keep pulling out your PCR form when you were doing it. So 
Oh it was a pretty God. good process. I mean, yeah. you know, in terms of you, you know the, the the hoops you had to jump through, it was pretty well organised. Got, no, your tickets, I, got your tickets on the plane. So you had your tickets, had your boarding pass for the way back, and you had your negative wristband. So you were pretty well sorted, which meant you could go into the fan zone, get into the ground, get back on the plane, all that stuff. It was it was all reasonably good. And what about the match tickets? Were you sent them in advance, no, or did you that, have to pick gave them up? those on the plane. Right, okay. So when you're sitting on the plane, they walked around, and they, you know, they did it alphabetically, so, you know, A to H, H to whatever, and then they, you know, gave me your name and had an envelope with your name on it, and, you know, and your ticket was in there and your boarding pass for the way back. So you, you went with the, the, the club-sponsored uh, trip with the, the company? Yeah, um, I did that. I kind of always do that, and I know people don't like it, but, I mean, the way I look at it is, well, it was subsidised for a start, so the club subsidised it, so the flights were 199 quid, which which is good. I think that that was fine, you know, so, so price-wise it worked. I, I just think you know you're going to get there, you know you're going to get a transfer coach, you know you're going to come back. I'm not really interested in having a night, you know, a couple of nights there. I'm not, you know, I just want to get in, I want to get out. I've got stuff to do, you know, and you just know that you're going to get your ticket and it's all going to be there, so I kind of like it. I know a lot of people People find it quite grueling to do that 27 hours without sleep thing. Uh, and it is fairly brutal. Um, but, you know, I've, I did it for Munich. I did it for Moscow. And, you know, I've, I've done it for other ones as well. So it's not, it's never been, it's never been an issue for me. Um, and it's all pretty well organised with actual Chelsea stewards on the plane and stuff. So it's fine. It's all good. Brilliant. So your 199, did that include your ticket or no, did no, you have to buy that separately? Ticket, ticket was 150 quid on top of that. Right. Okay. So, are you did you buy them both from the one company, or did yeah, you have so to when buy? You book your trip. You book your trip. So you book your flight, and then they say, "What ticket do you want?" And there are various categories. Category one was like five hundred and ninety quid or something ludicrous. Category two was three hundred and something. Category three was one hundred and fifty. And by the time I got down to me, that was all that was left. So I got I got one hundred and fifty quid one with my mate Steve. And then you choose your ticket. You choose your flight. Then they you know then they give you your flight details and they give you a ticket when you're on board. So I guess it's 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 quite regimented. So I presume that they're not just handing out tickets; they're they're checking Mr. Andy Saunders. Oh, yeah, this is your... your name on the envelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so no, it's, it sounds regimented, which is all you can ask for. Look, I've been on. When you go to an away game, I know you haven't been to an away game for quite a long time, but you know when you go to an away game now, you have to go to a city centre and pick your ticket up. You can't get your ticket sent to you in the post and turn and rock up at the, you know, at the Bernabeu or or you know or or Valencia or whatever with a ticket. These days, for for whatever reason, you know, for security and all that, you have to get off your plane and then go to some hotel in the middle of wherever whatever city you're in and pick your ticket up. You know from from Chelsea that's what you have to do so this is quite a good way of not having to do that yeah and I presume because people could go their own route as well couldn't they to the the final yeah I mean time. quite a lot of people did I mean quite a lot of people did go independently there was a certain amount of tickets that were given out uh, via the club that you could buy you know, buy a ticket but those people would have had to go and collect those tickets from the centre of Porto somewhere on arrival like, yeah no would, the, the, sorry, I, I just think it's really interesting to, to let people understand what it takes to go to an away game these days. That yeah, it's it a isn't just pain and backside. Yeah, and <laughs> and and also and not cheap. With, yeah, exactly, not cheap. Because at first you go, oh, subsidised tra- subsidised travel, that's pretty good. But then, as you say, you have got your 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 ticket on top, you have got your test on top. Well, the, te- the test is two hundred quid. 
Yeah. You know, you've got, you know, the PCR test is, you know, I think 140 quid and then the day two test is 80 quid, you know. So what's that? 220 quid plus 150 quid plus 199 quid. That's before you've bought a beer. Yeah. You know, so that's you, before you've bought lunch. Yeah, you know. six or 700 quid down and your hotel. So that's up to Well, eight, if you go I, in a hotel. Sorry? Oh, oh no, yeah, so, but, so, the night, so my night before, yeah, I mean, yeah. that was just me being lazy. But, yeah, so, I mean, if you did yeah, that... Yeah, but it's not really because you know you've got a gruelling day ahead of you. If you had to drive in the morning, suddenly you're up at three o'clock or whatever. Yeah, and the car uh, parking, that's another yeah. 33 quid. You know, yeah. so, I mean, it, 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 it all adds up. I mean, but when I went to Munich, I think the flights were six or 700 quid. And, you know, in Moscow, was there wasn't a lot of change out of a grand for Moscow. So, you know, the fact that it was subsidised did it. But it's not a poor man's game anymore. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to have to make an investment if you want to go to that. I mean, you could, I, I suppose, have gone on your own and, you know, got a cheaper EasyJet flight if they were available. Because, of course, Portugal is one of the only countries on the UK green list. So it's one of, the, one of the only countries where people can go and it's half term and all those flights would have been booked up. So, you know, there, there's that consideration as well. So it's still it's still not cheap to be able to do this, but it's one you know it's a it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for some people. And I'm very lucky. I've been to three Champions League finals now, yeah, and, and seen us win two. I mean, I'm incredibly blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. But if you'd never done that, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. So you'll, so you'll invest the money, and you hit on a, a thing there. You cannot take something like a Champions League final for granted. I'm not talking about fans or whatever. It shows. This is... How many years have you been supporting Chelsea for, Andy? Oh, since... 40? Yeah, for 50, probably. Yeah, 50 years. And you've been very lucky to have a spate of finals in this last 15, 18, well, 20 one, years. one final in 1970, you know, which yeah. I was five years old. And then, a, you know, Cup Winners' Cup final in, in 71 against Madrid. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which, of course, was in Athens, and I was six years old. And then nothing, nothing. Hold on, but... hold on, hold on. You're forgetting the League Cup final against Stoke City, which I went to the oh, following year. Oh, that was in yes. 72, was it? That was so... Mi- I, I, honestly, because my first game was really, I guess, the, the Chelsea-Leeds United win. We won that. Then we, then we got a season ticket, went all the next season, you know, the Real Madrid final, we won that. And then that game against Stoke was the first time I understood what it was like to lose. And then yeah. I discovered it quite regularly for the next 25 years. So that, one's, that one is obviously erased from my memory. Um, but 1972. And then, and then so nothing, it should be. And then George nothing, Easton was about 50 scored against us. Yeah, I remember, well, I remember it now you say it. But, well, I don't remember it, but I, mean, I was seven. But, I mean, I, I kind of know, know it historically now you've mentioned it. But then nothing until 97, uh, 94, when we, when we played United and lost 4-0 in the FA Cup final. And then no glory until 97 when we beat Borough in the FA Cup final. And that was the start, wasn't it, really, of the, the sort of run of great, great, you know, sort of moments. Yeah, and, and actually, that Cup victory, I, if you remember, we all were going absolutely bonkers. It was the greatest thing to happen to us in our adult football-following lives. It was, and we thought, it was amazing. I mean, it, it was, it was a, a, you know, just such an, such an incredible... When, you know, when Di Matteo scored in the first minute, it was astonishing. 
Yeah, it was. And, and, and the amount of people that missed that goal because they were just coming in from the toilet or finishing their pint off. It was, it was extraordinary. But the atmosphere, you know, it, it, it's, and this is something we'll talk about because I really want to talk about the atmosphere for the final this time because coming through on the TV, you went, oh my God, Chelsea, a proper Chelsea singing here. This is incredible. And we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. But so, so you, you get to Porto and then what's it like once, once you've landed, I presume you get all bussed into the city centre. Yeah. So you get off the plane, you go, you go through the fairly tortuous immigration process where they check your paperwork um, and then they let you through and then you go to a coach park and you sit on a coach for ages uh, and then they eventually roll out and they roll you up to the centre of Porto where there is a fan zone, a Chelsea fan zone. So there's two fan zones, one for Chelsea, one for Man City. Man City are down by the river uh, and Chelsea are up in the town. Um, and it's pretty good, actually. I mean, the fan zone was OK. There's, you know, you can buy beer there. There's there's very, very loud DJs. Um, you know, there's a bit of seating. There's some merch stalls. I mean, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. I mean, you wouldn't want to spend a huge amount of time in there. But then they sort of drop you off there. Um, and then you've got the day in Porto. And Porto's a lovely city. It's very hilly. It's got a beautiful riverside area. So we wandered down to the river, had some lunch down there. That had been sort of populated by Man City, really, because that's where their fan zone was. So there were there was loads of them. I think there was you know thousands of them without tickets. Um, so it, we felt I felt slightly sort of outnumbered by light blue shirts. Um, but you know we had lunch down there. And you sort of got a day to kill and walked back up to the fan zone, met some friends, and then we got on the metro. And we're in the ground for about sort of six o'clock, a couple of hours beforehand, um, because I sort of advised there would be lots of checks to get in. So I didn't want to be, you know, sort of stuck in a queue while we kicked off. So got in there nice and early um, and then, you know, sort of waited, really. Um, And what was the atmosphere like with the City fans? Because I remember Munich and the Munich fans were all being very pleasant because they were certain they were going to win. Were City fans... I didn't have any problems with them. No. I I never do. No, I wasn't having any problems with them. I mean, you know, we we, we went down, there was lots of them. I mean, if you were looking for trouble, I'm sure you could have found it. I mean, if you wanted to, you know, sort of start something with somebody, I'm sure sure there was enough alcohol consumed for there to be some, you know, sort of handbags if if you wanted to do that. I mean, I frankly didn't, you know, so we just sort of wandered through and were looking for a seat really because there was you know so many people there so we eventually found somewhere for lunch and sort of hung out didn't really speak to anybody you know from from city i mean they were doing their thing we were doing our thing and you know it was fine i didn't see any trouble didn't see any aggression they were just very very confident by the looks of it so you know that that was you know that that was them and 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 we were us yeah well i think that everyone expected city to do it but as we say when you least expect it, expect it. So, yeah. so then I guess you sat there in the stadium. All you're doing is is waiting for the game. Well, waiting for the teams at first. Um, now, Lovely when, stadium, by the way, fairly oh, new stadium, the Estadio de Drago, the Stadium of Dragons, uh, which was a lovely four-stop metro ride from the uh, from the from the middle of Porto, nice and easy, and then a sort of fifteen-minute walk. Um, but, you know, really, really beautiful stadium with a lovely sort of view. It was one of these sort of slightly open stadiums. So you could see outside, you could see the view um, of, of the city below. So, yeah, it was really, really nice and, uh, you know, lovely football stadium. Sorry, mate, just wanted to give that no, colour. Oh, no, it's lovely. Um, and, and where were you in the ground? Were you behind the goal or the, the side? Goal. Yeah, I was behind the goal that uh, Chelsea were kicking towards in the second half. Perfect. 
perfect. Oh, it, no, yeah. It, Very it, similar seats to, to what I had in Munich, actually. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had um, right near the sort of, well, on, on side view, but towards the Chelsea end. We were all in with Munich fans, as you know, but well, that's you had another story. Tickets, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, so you're there. You're waiting for the news, and then the teams drop. Well, City's team dropped first, actually. Yeah, that was a shocker, wasn't it? I, I That changed everything for me when that team came out, because I've been watching the whole TV coverage, everyone. It, it was like a, a, a celebratory parade that was going on before a game had even started, on TV, on, on social media, across the, the newspapers, Everything, the whole day was, wow, this is it. This is the moment. And then that side dropped and I suddenly got three messages from City friends of mine who went, first off, anytime we start Sterling against you, we're bound to lose. Second, what the F is going on with Fernandinho? Well, where's Fernandinho and where's Rodri? That's the first yeah. two things I thought. You know, they're two players I thought would be the first names on the team sheet. It's like, put some muscle in midfield and, uh, you know, and, and you know, and, and, build from there really I was sort of expecting Sterling I have to say but you know it just seemed I wasn't expecting you know Bernardo Silva and Gundogan to start you know so it was I don't know it just looked like he was going he was going to go we're just going to put as much firepower on the pitch as possible and see if we can overwhelm them and you know that was his strategy wasn't it and I was like great you know when I saw that I was like this is fine I think we've got enough defensive quality to deal with the firepower what I was worried about was getting mus- out muscled in midfield do you know what? When I saw that team, I just had this image which kept coming into my mind of, of Thomas Tuchel being handed the team sheet and he's in a little room on his own, just sitting there giggling. Punching the air. <laughs> yeah, going, why is he doing it? It was, it was almost... Well, I, also like... said, I also said, you know, to, to, you know, to, 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 to you know, anybody who would listen to my nonsense... That um, that Guardioli would overthink it. That he would definitely overthink this. Um, you know, and he would try something rather than just put out a strong side with a with a clear plan. He would overthink it and try and do something that would un- try to unsettle Tuchel. Um, and he clearly overthought this. I think that that's what it was. Whereas Tuchel just went, "I was going to put my best team out." Yeah, no, exactly. And and this is what the, the point from all the City fans was. He's done it again. He's overthought it. Wasn't it against? Was it into Milan when they lost 4 yeah. 0, where he decided to not play any defensive midfielders oh. and just go, you know what? I'm going to attack you and we're going to smash you. And and it was it was like he always said he would never do it again after that. And here he is. I think he's clearly scared of Tuchel. Um, you know, Tuchel's, yeah. Tuchel's tactical mind. And he's like, well, Tuchel's got my number over the last two games. I'm going to have to do something to throw him. That's what that's. I, I can only imagine that's what he thought um, because. You know, he's probably thinking if I go toe to toe with my best team with his best team, tactically, he might, he just might have something up his sleeve. So I'm going to throw him. That that's that's the only thinking I can think behind it. Yeah, I, look, it it's it was a calculated risk that I think he subscribed to the view that when we play, we are the best side in the world. I really genuinely think that. Well, you know, and but, he's right. He's right. Yeah. You know, when they play to their capability, they're the best team in the world. I don't think anybody, tribal loyalties aside, will deny that. You know, when, when Man City are in full flow and they are knocking the ball about, they look like peak Barcelona. There's no there's no two ways about it. You know, however, they haven't done it 
as consistently this season as they have done it in previous seasons. I mean, they won the league at a canter, um, but you know they they also had some hiccups, and particularly at the beginning of the season. Um, but when you know when they purr, when they click against teams, they're amazing to watch. They haven't done it against us because I think we've got a very good manager and a very good defence, and we now have a very good team personality and character. Yeah, I I, I would agree with all of that, but I I also. What would be fascinating to see is what residual damage that has done to City. But that's another story. Um, so and one yeah. we don't really care about, Kerry. No, we don't. We really don't <laughs> care. Because, well, we do care because I think, and we'll maybe talk about this later, I do think we are now... Okay, put it like this. If 2012 was the marking point and the end of an era for a Chelsea team, this really feels like a beginning, what's happened here. This feels like... We've got the nucleus of a fantastic squad. Tuchel's come out, I think, last night and said, I don't think we need to buy too many. Maybe two, maybe three players. That's yeah. all we need. Yeah, he's right. And I think he's spot on. Yeah, he's right. Um, you know, he's, he's done remarkable things. But well, he knows so, we need a striker. We need someone yeah. who's going to finish all these great chances that we create. He knows that we, we probably need some defensive cover. Um, and I think he's probably looking at something in midfield, you know, whether that's muscle or creativity. Um, but he's right. We don't need a huge amount. I think we've got the nucleus of a really, really good team here. We just need someone who's going to finish these chances. Yep. So when the Chelsea team came in, it was pretty much exactly as we nailed it as it, last it, week, it, wasn't it's, it? It's the best team he could have picked. Yeah, it is. You know, he made all the decisions that this was the first time I think we've actually been able to pick 11 players that he would pick. And also um, as well, you know, you look at that team sheet and the two names that leapt off it that you were like, were like Mendy and Kante. Thank God for that. You know, yeah. that, that, that's what I looked at. That's all I cared about. Everything else was fine. It's like as long as Mendy and Kante were playing, I was relaxed. Don't you think that's a wonderful testament to Edouard Mendy that we feel like this about him now? Um, I, I think he's been absolutely fantastic for us this year because he's learnt from things that haven't gone quite right for him. He's become better as a player through the season. And I, I trust him all day long in goal for us now, wouldn't you? What I like about Mende is he hasn't had a huge amount to do. He's not been massively tested because his defence has been so good. But when he has been called upon, he's he's done it well. He's had a few issues with his distribution, which I think he's working towards. And in fact, during the game, you know, there was a couple of times when his kicking wasn't great. Tuchel, you know, lost his head with him a little bit. Um, but, but apart from that, his calmness in goal, his, his, he exudes calmness. And I think that's what Chelsea fans like. And I think that's what he's defending is like is that he doesn't he calms everything down you know when he picks up the ball and he when 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 he you know plucks the ball out of the air he's calm about it there's no drama and i think you know when you've got big situations like this what you need is players that can that can dial down the temperature of the game and he's he's great for that and and you know he's we know that you know in big moments he can deliver so yeah i've been really really impressed with him and you know he's 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 becoming you know, somebody who I think is worthy of the number one spot in 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 our team. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I love and having I'm very him harsh on goalkeepers normally. Yeah, no, I know. Um, in fact, there's one moment in the game, right at the very end, when the ball gets kicked through and it goes to him. He doesn't let it go out for a goal kick. Oh, I know. He just waits and waits and waits and then picks it up. It was like just pick it up because also <laughs> he knows. What was brilliant about that was if you let it go behind for a goal kick, the ref will add on a little bit of time for that. 
So he did it so brilliantly. And that, yeah, I, I love things like that. I really do. They're things that really excite me. Um, yeah, no, it's brilliant. So, yes, so we've got the side that we wanted. And then the teams come out. And, and what's it like when you suddenly think, after the year and a bit everyone has had, to be there in Porto Stadium for the Champions League final and the two teams come out and you can see the cup. And I loved There was something Mason Mount said. The bit of advice that he got um, was don't look at the cup. Don't ever look at the cup when you walk out. Yeah. And I was watching Mason Mount. And he deliberately looked completely the other way the whole way through his walk. And again, they're, they're little signs that you go, I'm not thinking about that. We've got a game here. But what's it like feeling that emotion after so long without football? I know you're at Leicester um, and, and things, but this was spectacularly special, wasn't it? I, I always say that on the really, really big occasions like this, I don't understand how professional athletes can do it. I don't understand how they can disassociate enough from the occasion to perform at their very best because, you know, when you feel the nerves in the stand, you know, particularly I think when you're there, when you can feel that, you know, the, the 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 adrenaline in the air, how they can perform to that level. I mean, I think they're worth every penny on occasions like that because I wouldn't even be able to walk out onto the pitch, let alone kick a football. I'd be fine. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know. And, and but you then, know what I mean, though, don't you? When, you, yeah, when your totally. legs are turning to jelly, when you've got your heart rate racing, when you're thinking, oh, my God, we're 90 minutes away from winning the Champions League, how can they even walk out on the pitch, you know, let alone walk up and take a penalty in front of the mass ranks of Bayern Munich fans? I mean, how can they do that? I don't, I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. You can't process it. So, so yeah, exactly. And you know, you're bad enough as a fan in these sort of situations. You're, you're right. What's it like as a player? Well, I suppose that's what all the years of everything is trying to get you to, so that you can deal with that. But um, and, that, and so, that's what I think makes these elite footballers elite footballers is that level of mental strength and that level of of, of ability to perform under enormous pressure and make those kind of decisions under enormous pressure. And I think that, you know, when, whenever anybody turns around and says that player's crap or that player's rubbish, it's like, really, really? You know, I, I, to play at this level, to be able to play at this level, you can't be crap. You might have a few poor games. You know, you, you might, you might, you might, you know, not be playing at your at the best of your ability, but crap, I mean, don't, don't let me hear that because you're the best kid in your school, your town, your city, your country. You know, to get into this Chelsea team, you've got to be the best player or one of the best players in the world in this position. You know, yeah. and so I don't want to ever hear anybody say a Chelsea player is crap because to get to this position, you have to be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the whistle goes, the game kicks off. What's everyone doing? Does everyone sit down and relax uh, or did everyone stand? I think everybody's been singing for an hour already. Yeah. Um, what was interesting is we know that the Chelsea fans didn't really engage in the FA Cup final. And there was a lot, I didn't go to the FA Cup final, but there was a lot of reports that Leicester fans were were massively out singing us throughout the, the, the FA Cup final. The Chelsea fans didn't really get involved. I, I don't know why didn't f- sound from everybody that I know that went that the Chelsea fans sang to the best of their ability. And I think maybe that had rankled with fans and they were aware of that and that wasn't going to happen. And I think there was a couple of factors. One was that the TV 
sort of um, the TV position, if you like, where all the pundits were, were was in our end. Was like was actually in in amongst the Chelsea fans in the corner. So there was Joe Cole sitting alongside Rio Ferdinand and Gary Lineker. And of course, you know, once they everybody spotted Joe Cole, he got his song sung very loud. He got up and conducted the crowd, and so that got everybody going. So respect to Joe Cole for almost kind of starting that that process. So singing for Joe Cole was one thing, and then of course we were in the we were in the rhythm of it, and everybody was singing. And what was really noticeable was Man City weren't. And I'm not just saying it, they genuinely weren't. They weren't even standing up. They were sitting. We were all standing. Also, you know, we stood for the for the entire game and for the two hours beforehand. So, um, you know, we were in a pretty much of a frenzy by the time the uh, the game started. And I don't think I've sung that consistently throughout a game for a long time. Um, and it was amazing. It, the fans that were there, all whatever it was of us, 6,000, 5,000, 6,000 of us, you know, it was incredible. I can't, I can't, you know, give enough respect to, to our fans for that. And also, that game against Leicester at the bridge on Tuesday uh, last Tuesday the singing was incredible and I hope that starts a, a whole new golden age of singing amongst our fans because it makes such a difference it was clear that the players could hear it and responded to it and you know we were you know operating as one you know we were supporting them they were delivering for us and it's an incredible thing when once you once you establish that bond with players on a pitch through singing you know there's nothing quite like it Kerry it's amazing and we get it occasionally on those midweek european nights those big nights under the lights you get it occasionally at stamford bridge um but this was different level and i think you know hopefully the players will turn around and say it drove them on because it felt like it did well, look, I, you know, TV's a, a strange beast at times trying to work out exactly what the sound is like in a stadium. But, wow, Chelsea came through loud and clear pretty much for the whole game. It was it was amazing. It's very rare that you feel, oh, I can actually feel that atmosphere. But you really could. You really could. It, it wasn't. Yeah. No, know. it was. Absolutely. And I mean, I was hoarse at the end of it. I'm still a little bit hoarse now. Good. That's how it should be. That's, that's you remember, that's how it always used to be. And, yeah. and maybe this year off will just give everyone their voices back. I, I agree with you. The golden age of singing, that that would be fantastic. Well, look, well, I, I said, I've said, you know, 4,000 people, 5,000 people, 8,000 people at Stamford Bridge. I mean, if that, you know, that level of crowd, imagine what it would be like if 40,000 people sang. Because, yeah. you know, 30,000 people don't. They don't at Stamford Bridge. They sit there, you know, and, you know, either just minding their own business, which is fair enough. I'm not going to make anybody sing. You know, it's it's entirely up to you what you do at a football match. But there just seems to be too many people taking selfies, too many people updating their Facebook and Instagram feeds, too many people, you know, just otherwise engaged, having conversations. It's like, focus on the game. Please, please, if you come to Chelsea, bear in mind that it's a privilege to come to Chelsea, that you are one of 40,000 people and there are millions that would love to be there. They would love to be in your seat. So, you know, when you come to the ground, please have that in the back of your mind and engage with the game. You know, for nights just 90 minutes out of your life, just engage with the game, just sing a bit, support them, put your phone in your pocket, don't look at it for 90 minutes and, 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 and just get involved. Because if you do, Stanford Bridge will be a fortress, it will be a cauldron. Um, and, and that's what I mean about golden age of singing. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to that idea that we're going to support our team. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, let's take a little break here and then we'll come back and go through our favourite moments and our favourite players and the final itself. (laughs) 
If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. So Andy, game kicks off. How are you feeling in the first few minutes? Because Raheem Sterling bit ropey, gets the... wasn't it? bit ropey yeah, in those first it, five minutes. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of things going on. We look, oh, my God, let's settle down. There was stuff in one corner that was going wrong. And then, for me, in, in a strange way, Sterling getting through from that pass from, I think it was Edison, um, and leaving Rhys James for dead. And then he switched on and got back and hustled the ball away, um, and he never looked back from then on. That moment said something to me. Rhys James switched on, he suddenly realised the game he was in, and he went and taught Raheem Sterling a lesson, which I think he did for the whole game. I thought it reminded me of when he had Wilfred Zahar in his pocket against Palace earlier in the season. This was the same. And Sterling looked a beaten man by the end of it when he came off. Yeah, I thought when they started, right at the very beginning, they thought, well, this is their tactic, isn't it? Overwhelm us with quality, overwhelm us with firepower, get the ball forward. You know, as you say, Sterling, you know, Sterling and Chilwell made mistakes in the first three minutes. You know, they just they got caught in possession or they got... You mean they, James and Chilwell? Uh, sorry, I'm sorry, James and Chilwell. Yeah. Um, you know, made mistakes in, in the first couple of minutes. Um, as you say, uh, James a little bit flat-footed against Sterling. Uh, uh, Chilwell, you know, just got caught in possession um, and we didn't look like we could break the press and that was almost always my fear is if they were going to press us really high with this firepower could we break it because I always felt that if we could get the ball beyond the press we'd have we'd have a chance and that's been proved time and time again this season under Tuchel how do we break the press um, and it just looked a bit daunting in the first five minutes and then suddenly we I think we got a foul in our half um, and once we had that foul and we took the sting out of that, out of that initial few minutes we then started to get into the game and it became a much more even contest. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree that we just needed... It was kind of one of those things. It could have been hideous. If we'd have gone 1-0 down in the first five minutes, then we're in trouble. But we kept kept it together and we improved and we realised, right, I've got away with that mistake. It's not happening again. And Reese James and Chilwell, as you say, did start off a bit dodgily. And then they they were just sublime, absolutely sublime. sublime. What well, it was the- their decision making? I think more than anything that really impressed me. It was positioning and decision making. Yeah, they they both made challenges and 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 they both played well. I mean, Chilwell misplaced a couple of passes, but that's fine. I think that generally they they both showed incredible intelligence. And there there is always that thing about, you know, we know Chilwell can defend. We know that that's the strength of his, but we didn't know James could. You know, James was always such a threat moving forward, but had to work on the defensive part of this game. I think we saw him coming of age as a defender in that game. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I thought you suddenly got a feel for what Tuchel was trying to do. He was trying to win the ball off them just a little bit higher. And he kept creeping up. And then suddenly... Kante was just in his element. I mean, the, he was nicking the ball off everybody. I mean, is there ever, has there ever been anybody who can go into a tackle so cleanly? There was one moment when Riyad Mahrez had the ball, I think it was in the second half, um, and he was running across the penalty area, and Kante won it so cleanly that Mahrez carried on running, not realising he'd lost the ball. What Kante does that other players don't do because you're sort of taught when you're going to go in and tackle to slow down as you tackle you know to sort of you know to run up to go half pace and then have a controlled tackle that's kind of how you're trained as a defender what Kante does is he doesn't slow down he takes the ball at full pace um, and he backs himself not to make the foul and so when you see Kante tackle he's tackling a hundred percent do you know what I mean he's not running up then running half speed then tackling you know he's abs- he's taking the ball at full speed and that's what gives him that momentum to move forward I don't think there's there's I can't think of anybody else who does it like that um and it, it's quite remarkable how he does it and the engine of him and that's what I said at the very beginning of, of this kind of like analysis of the game is that when I saw his name on the clean sheet part of me relaxed because you know we always say about Kante there's no point giving out a man of the match because it's Kante it's always Kante yeah and there's something about that I'd also like to flag up is that this Kante people say oh it's incredible he's he's back to where he was which he is but what what people forget to sell that one no, 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 no. The Kante who was... No, no, <laughs> listen. as well, to be honest. I'm yeah, exactly. But this is quite a serious point because the only thing that's happened is we've had fiddling from other managers as to what they do with Kante. All Thomas Tuchel has done has returned him to the place from whence he came. Yeah. That position, that holding position where he can break it up. Yeah, he can break forward, but his primary objective is to win the ball off the opposition before they get to our defence. And that's all Tuchel has done with him. Yeah. He's gone, oh, I'm going to play you in your best position. Oh, what, you're the best holding the midfielder in the world? OK, well, we better play you there then. Well, that's it's exactly it. That, that's my point. If we were going to play him forward, yes, he was a player to sell because we weren't going to ever apparently return him to the right well, position. Well, hugely injured a lot of the yeah, time when exactly. we were talking about that. It's like, is he ever going to get back to full strength because he just seems to have a, you know, a, a, a broken hamstring? Okay, so here's my point. When you see Kante, the performances he's come out with in the Champions League semi-finals against Real Madrid in this final, is there actually a shout for a player like him to be up for the Ballon d'Or? Even though Mason Mount has been our player of the season, actually is Kante? Because I agree with you. There's, Pretty well, there's, much, there's a very simple answer to that question. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Do they dare give it? He's not He's not sexy enough for the Ballon d'Or. That's, that's what I mean. Do they dare give it to a player who is an engine and not the finesse well, First of all, he plays for finisher. an English club, and they hate English clubs. So, you know, it's, it's, it's unlikely. Um, yeah, who, 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 would be the, um, who would be the candidates this year? Well, not Messi, not Ronaldo, I mean, you know. not Neymar, who is Pony, and I yeah. still stick by that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. For me, it's Kante or Mason Mount. You've got Mbappe, <laughs> I suppose, haven't you? 
but yeah, he hasn't but really won anything of any great note. I mean, I think don't you've got you to look have at the, to got to look at you, the Champions League, haven't you? As a you as do, a, you do, and and you have to say that Kante has been consistent every time he's played in the Champions League. So I I, I don't know. I think it's very tough. I I honestly don't see because all of the other world greats have pretty much underperformed this year. Happy. Maybe, but you know he plays in a because he's you know, second rate league. He just fits the brand. Yeah, maybe. No, I, I, it's interesting, it's isn't it? It's not. It's not. It's not something that's done necessarily on meritocracy. It's done on what will what will further the UEFA brand. Yeah, and, no, it's true. You know, and it'll be and it'll be Mbappe because they can put him on posters and they can, you know, they can sell they can sell stuff off the back of him. You know, they can sell rights off the back of him. You know, the thing about Kante is we we think he's incredible. Anybody that loves football loves Kante, but they don't. But you know, you FIFA playing, you know, sort of young kids who buy the merch. They don't, you know, they don't. They they would rather they would rather love Mbappe. So I just think it's it's corrupt, and and they wouldn't give it to him anyway. But in answer to your question, they should. Yeah, I I, th- I think he's a contender. Let, let's see, let's see, because I I just think there's been a dearth of flair players this year across the game for one reason or another. I, mean, I can understand the Premier League giving Player of the Year to the team that wins the league. You know, and giving it to De Bruyne, you know, or giving it to you know to to a player, you know, who in, in the English Premier League, I can understand, I can understand that happen. But if you're looking at European competition, if you're looking at the Ballon d'Or, I can't, I personally can't see past Kante, but I, I genuinely don't think it will be. No, no, well, we'll see. Watch this space. I don't know when it gets announced. Um, it'll be, it'll be sometime in the distant future when everyone's forgotten about stuff. Um, So we'll see. They might wait till after the Euros. I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out from people who know. So anyway, so there we are. We're getting ourselves back in the game. And then, well, what did you think about... Okay, let's talk about the one thing that was disappointing on the night. A man who causes havoc but just can't shoot... Timo Werner caused chaos. You know, this, in some ways... Gary, that's all, his job. Yeah, it is, but his job is also to score goals, well, isn't it? yeah, it is, but, you know... On, on I'm not going to have a go at him no, when no, he's a Champions League winner. On such a joyous occasion like this, exactly. I don't want any negativity about him because, you know, really, he's been a huge part of our team this year. He's been a massive yeah, part of, of getting where we're at. So, so sort of picking on him and, and picking out... Yes, I get you're right. I mean, I'm not saying you're not right. You know, there's there's opportunities where he could shoot and he, he could hit it on time. But I think his impact on the game and his ability to affect games, I think we just have to give him credit this week. Yeah, absolutely. If he can just add that finishing we and get that confidence. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it, were you worried when those chances didn't go in? No. Or did it actually signify that we can actually get at this side? It wasn't like it was a one-off thing. Exactly we had one shot. Exactly we looked that. as though we could get behind them a lot. Yeah, exactly that. No, I'm not worried because you know, I will be worried if he was a player that only gets one or two sniffs a game. You know, but he's not. We know he's not. We know he's not going to give up. He's going to be relentless for the whole game. He's going to make things happen. He's going to get in positions. He's going to find himself, you know, with situations where he can affect the game. Now, whether that's scoring the goal or, or assisting the goal or being part of the build-up, he's going to do that. So he misses a chance or miss kicks a ball early doors. Fine. I don't really care. I mean, because I do think that you know he's the kind of player that you know he's going to make things happen in the game. And I've said as well, if we buy a proper striker, a special striker in the summer it will improve Timo Werner's game because the pressure will be off him and people will see how he affects the game without all the pressure on him to score the goals 
Well, that's what we said, isn't it? That if we get a striker, suddenly all those other players, they'll have less pressure to score. They're, you know, at the moment, we need Werner to score or Mount to score. If this was, a, if this was a normal league game, I think we can have a discussion about, about Timo's finishing. But this wasn't a normal league game. This was a game in which we won as a team. And therefore, for me, gets a free hit this, this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was just saying we should just mention it because people might just say, oh, why didn't you mention that? We don't care I, about I'm people, Kerry. We make this podcast for ourselves, <laughs> not for them. Well, it's probably only you and I listen to it. Um, <laughs> That's not the case. It's not the case because when I was at the ground, I'm going to give a shout. I, I didn't get your name, mate, but the guy that was sitting in front of me, uh, you know, sort of turned around and, and asked me if I was Andy Saunders and said he was a long-term listener and we had a conversation and he was there with his friend. And shout out to him because I know I'll be listening, but sorry I didn't get your name. But no, it does make you think that people do listen to this and it's lovely. So, um, so yeah, no, we do, we, do, um, we do bear in mind the, the people that listen to it. But, I mean, when it comes to opinions... You know, these are our opinions. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, totally. You know, you know, yeah, absolutely. But then that moment came. Great ball from Mendy. Chilwell. It's a sublime touch. Can I just can I stop you there for a second because I think you're slightly ahead of 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 a major moment that happened in the game. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it. Well, you know, when 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 you're sort of rock and your defence, when, when you look at the team sheet and you think, oh, Thiago Silva's on it, thank God. You're right, that. 38th minute, wasn't it? Yeah, when he's, on the, when he's on the team sheet, you're thinking, right, there's going to be a sense of calm and leadership and solidity in that defence. And then he goes down, holding his groin, and you think, oh, no. And then he goes off, and then he comes back on, and you think, oh, God, thank God for that. And then he goes down again, and you think, he's, he's done, he's, he's gassed, he's toast, he's gone. And then Christensen comes on and you're thinking, well, Christensen's great. He's had a really good season, but he hasn't had a lot of football recently. So that's worrying against, you know, all these things are going through your head. The fact that, you know, the fact that it happened, the fact that Christensen came in, the fact that Christensen was unbelievably good in that position uh, for that game was, I just think, a major moment in the game. And that's why I just sort of slightly stopped you there, because I think it's worth mentioning. Thiago Silva going out, I think, was a, was a real blow. But Christensen coming in was amazing. Yeah, I was I was actually going to do it a different way round, but it's absolutely fine. We'll go we'll go chronologically. Well, sorry, because I, just, I didn't know whether you you you, you were. Oh no, it, Christensen. Thought... For me, he actually looked like a Rolls Royce. I mean, I I hate using analogies like that, but he was he was so good. He was so great. He was so measured. He was so calm. He was. Just on it. He was on the money. Yeah. And we finally saw, you know, I, 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 you've probably seen the game again now, but, you know, Rio Ferdinand talks about players oh, I didn't coming of age. Of only, uh, only it's it's interesting. Most of it was nonsense, but it was quite fun for Joe Cole going mad. Um, but also Rio Ferdinand said something which I thought was pertinent, that there were m- several players in that Chelsea side who came of age that they became men, whatever that kind of means. But the idea is their stature was different than when they started the game. And I think Christensen was one of those. I think we finally saw the man that we've hoped that he would become as a player, that we saw he was faultless. He came in, and you're absolutely right. You go, oh, my God, he's had a great season, but he's not played for weeks. I'm nervous here. Tiago was looking together, was keeping all together. And you know what it's like. You don't want your defence upset in yeah. the first half because they're all playing well. My, but- my son said some years ago now, 
you know, when we were getting a little bit frustrated with Christensen. I mean, he, he came in under Conte, didn't he, and, and, and played a lot of games and, and looked good and then got injured and then sort of fell out of favour and then wasn't in the team and had moaned previously about not getting game time and his attitude was a bit suspect. And I think people were getting a little bit down about Christensen and thinking, is he of the quality that, you know, that we really need in our defence? I remember my son always saying, if he goes, we'll regret it because he will turn into one of the best defenders in Europe. And I was like, Pfft, I don't know, mate. You know, maybe I wasn't, but but he was convinced of it, and I think he's been. I think he's been proved right. I just think he's a stunning defender now. And, yeah, it, you know, he's only going to get better. He's still only young. If he can stay fit, um, you know, he could be part of our defensive dynasty for years to come. Do you know what? If it, and we talked about this some years ago that he could be a future Chelsea captain. I think the only thing that stops him being a future Chelsea captain is Mason Mount, because I, I am certain. Got to give the that, captaincy to Mason. Yeah, you have I to. Think That's for what the next I'm saying. Season, I think even Dave would hand that hand that that armband over and basically go off you go, you know, because you know Dave. I think I think when when the captaincy was given to Dave, people were like, you know, he's good. He leads by example and everything. But has he really got leadership qualities? But I have to say, I think he does. In this season, he's shown immense leadership qualities. Yeah, I think he's yeah, been I'd brilliant. Agree. Whether it was like you know comforting Thiago Silva when he was injured. You know, when he went off the pitch to, you know, to getting people up by leading, for example, in certain games. I mean, that Leicester game at the bridge, he was incredible leading by example. Uh, and on, on Saturday as well. And I think that you have to give full credit to, to Azpilicueta. It's probably a role he didn't really want initially, you know, that they gave it to him. But, you know, I think as a as a leader, as a, an example, as a sort of veteran player and a team of young, you know, young up and coming players, I think he's been amazing. But, but I think that from next season... I think that they should hand the captaincy to Mason Mount. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and I'd just like to also add a little uh, message about Aspi because he's had his detractors. He's had a tough couple of years. and Not under- many, though. Most, no, most no, real but fans people have said that he's Aspie. gone. Yeah, but the people have said, oh, he hasn't got this, he hasn't got that. I think he and Tuchel have managed to reinvent him as a player. Mm. He looks he looks he looks four or five years younger as a player. He's he's got something about him again. He's got a spring in his step. And I think this is what you're seeing with Tuchel. He has the ability to put his arm around these players and get them to where they need to well, be. And he talked simple. about this. Yeah. He did, Tuchel talked about this at the beginning. My job is to improve players and how they play yeah, and he's done it very well but I think yeah. I think that you know one key thing about Azpilicueta is he's not asked to bomb up and down that right hand side and put crosses in every five minutes you know that's not his role anymore and I think he's basically said to him look you probably don't have the legs for that anymore you know you're, you're getting on a bit you know but you're still a remarkable defender and still a brilliant tactician and and an, an understander of strategy and a leader you know so why don't we play you in a position which is much more defensive and um, and, and play to your strengths it's not again it's not rocket science it's a bit like the Kante thing. It's not difficult to figure that out. You can't expect, you know, uh, an ageing Azpilicueta to, to be Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, it's true. So, yeah, then, then we end up in that moment with that goal, with Mendy playing that ball out to Chile, and he playing. It's a sublime touch from Chilwell. Yeah. It really is. And Mason Mount, that was, as, as I said, if that's Perlo. Everyone in the world is going, look at one of the greatest passes ever. It was like Perlo. It was like Sesk in his pomp. It was just well, glorious. Well, it I think was you might what they're waiting for. I it a little bit there. I don't there think was a I massive am. massive space. 
For, yeah, but you find it. Yeah, I don't agree. Through. I think it's one of the greatest passes you'll see from a Chelsea midfielder. He saw it. He looked okay. up. He gets the ball. He looks up and he plays it with the most perfect weight. I think you underestimate I, that I pass. Love your, I love your passion, Kerry. I yeah, do. I think I, it's. I think I'm right. I'm not going to disagree. Well, you're, you're absolutely welcome to your opinion. I love it. I love. I love the fact that you're passionate about it. But having sat right behind it, literally right behind that pass, there was a huge, huge gap for Mason to pass that into. And yes, there was a good weight on the pass. But I would say, you know, it's a great, a great vision to spot the run, and he hit it with the right weight. But that was a Man City disaster defensively. Of course it was, but that was also created by Timo Werner pulling him out of shape. Again, yeah, coming yeah. back to Werner, yeah. what he does, he creates that that space which Mason sees. I, I think I, it's I one of the great on goals. Chips, mate. I, I honestly don't, you know, because you know, you're wrong. I, I get it, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, but you know, it's it was it was really really bad defending, and uh, a, you know, and a rush of blood from the goalkeeper who could have been sent off for touching the ball outside the area. Uh, it was a really you know really smart run, and you know a good bit of control and a fairly easy tapping into the net but you know I'm putting a lot of that blame on 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 City for that um and we exploited it and I'm really pleased that we did uh for me it's one of the great goals that wins a Champions League final I really think so and I thought Mate, Kai Havertz I think you who could have dialed that down a little bit I don't, I don't think so <laughs> I I honestly think maybe you don't know what you're looking at but because Kai Havertz he could have gone down as well when he hurdles over. It was very he gets the touch. The goal, I thought. It was, wasn't very it? He, he only had one Drogba thing scoring. in his mind. Yeah, I thought Drogba. It was very similar to a goal that Drogba scored in the FA Cup final against Man United. Yeah, um, spot you on. Know, where he, where he, you know, was one on one, and you think, please don't mess this up. You know what I mean? And uh, listen, great, 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 um, uh, a great counter attack. Great, as you say, touch from Chile. Really good pass from Mason. Excellent pull away from Werner, and a really good finish. But. But all I'm saying is that you know that that wasn't that that wasn't great defending from City. That's all no, I'm it saying. wasn't. But you've got to take advantage of it, and he did. And wasn't it just such a wonderful moment in that moment when you saw Kai Havertz celebrating? He knew that finally he had arrived as a player and showed everyone what he was capable of doing. We've seen how many strikers have we seen go through in one-on-ones and get nowhere. It, you know, th- there's not been many in the last 10 years other than Drogba uh, and Costa that you go, I'll bet my house on him. He'll beat the keeper every time. It was brilliant. Well, it there's was two, just... There's, there's, there's one player that did it in in really big games, you know, who Torres. otherwise really, really struggled. Who's that? Torres. Torres. You know, Torres did it in Barcelona, you know, where he ran from the halfway line, had loads of times to think about it, and yeah. rounded the keeper and put it in. He also did it in Amsterdam in the, uh, in, in, uh, Europa, the Europa League, League final. final, you know, which yeah. is a similar goal, you know. So, yeah, I mean, so, you know, some, and, and that's a player that you definitely wouldn't have put your house on in, in either situation, but, you know, but did it. So I thought that was interesting. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Um, yeah. But yes, there, you know, Drogba, Drogba was great in a one on one. Um, and and Costa was as well, but you're right. There's not there's not many you'd put your house on, you know. So no. so it was brilliant to see. But the thing about habits, what well, you know, I've always you know, you always sort of slightly mock me about my generational talent 
comment, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think that I think he is, and I think that why I why I thought that when I watched him in Germany is because he played with such a swagger at such a young age. You know, he played with such confidence in Germany, um, where he, he just was like, "I'm the best player on the pitch here. Nobody can touch me." Didn't quite have that at the beginning of his Chelsea career, but I think we saw on Saturday night that swagger that you know that you can't touch me. I'm too good for you, and I think that that we're going to see that next season. And then you you will look back on my comment about generational talent, and you will genuflect in front of me about my <laughs> about my rightness on that. Hey, look, I am more than happy to genuflect. <laughs> it sounds disgusting, but there you go. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, and I genuinely and, uh, don't want to take away your passion for that goal because it's a great goal. But great is. goals for me is when you, you know, when you, when you have something to, you know, to something something that's opposing you to score that goal. And I just thought it was dreadful by City, and that's what that's why I was really, really pleased to see it go in. I'm really, really pleased for the players. But you know, it, it, they made it too easy for us. That's my only point. Yeah, no, I, look, I get it. And it's what Tuchel would have said before the game. He said, you will get an opportunity like this when, Timo, you pull him out the way, you'll leave it open down the middle, which is exactly what happened. You know, he, he probably even scripted how it was going to go, Tuchel, because he, he is, he's got the wood over Guardiola, without a doubt. And I think Guardiola tried to take him on and go, I'm going to do something you wouldn't expect. Well, yeah, nobody would expect because it was dumb and stupid. Yeah. Um, when you think about it, only three Chelsea players have ever scored in a Champions League final. You know, Frank yeah. Lampard, you know, had a tap-in against Moscow. Yeah. Uh, Didier Drogba's one was was the one for me. You know, oh, final, minutes, final minutes of the game, Torres wins the corner. Mata goes over, neither of whom have had, you know, Torres hasn't been on the pitch very long. Mata hasn't had a particularly influential game. You know, the penalty area is packed with Bayern Munich players. You've got Didier Drogba making a run, a perfectly weighted corner, and Didier Drogba put it in the only place in the goal that it could have gone in. I mean, for me, that's a genius goal. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And and then, you know, we get to halftime and, uh, you know, you're just going, this is now going to be difficult for City. We're one up and we're playing in the way we want us to play. Uh, and that second half was just a masterclass of defending and tackling and interceptions. We were so thoughtful. We were so unified I mean that second half I have to say um it it was one of the slowest halves of football I've, I've ever known but I wasn't scared I was going another minute's gone by they're a, they're a minute away minute more away from winning the, the the title here and I was trying to keep myself calm because you know that it only takes a second to score a goal only takes a second to make a mistake but none of our players really looked like they would make a mistake. And it's very rare that I have that confidence in any Chelsea there game. There wasn't a shot in target after the goal. No, there, there was wasn't. Not one shot in target since the 42nd minute. Because I think we, you're absolutely right, we defended brilliantly, you know. And I don't think it was boring. I think it, no, was, it wasn't. It was, I mean, I think for the, I mean, I spoke to a few people that are neutrals and they were like, love the game. So much jeopardy, so much tension in the game that you, you felt any second it could change. I mean, that's a great game of football for me. It doesn't need goals, as long as there's a sense that there's a jeopardy in there. Um, and, you know, you felt that throughout the game, you know, whether it was. Because I kept thinking, when are they going to turn up? At some point, they're going to turn up. At some point, they're going to switch a fl uh, flick a switch, 
and 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 suddenly they're just going to come at us and and just bamboozle us. And it never really happened. They no, I mean there was a couple of scary moments where balls were played across the box and people got in the end of things, and but it wasn't on target. And you know, defending was amazing. Some of those blocks, the block by Rudiger, the block by Aspeliqueta, block by Chilwell. <laughs> Blocked by Christensen at the end. I mean, all of them oh. put in immense defensive performances. So, okay, for you in the stadium, for me, there was one moment where I just went, we are going to win this. Was there a moment in that game where you thought, this is ours? Uh, half time. Half time, okay. Half yeah. time, I was like, we've won this. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I did think, I mean, I just said, you know, I did think they, at some point they're going to flick a switch, but I thought we'd resist it. I just thought that's too good. We were too good in that in that first half, you know. I mean, of course, for 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 the last ten minutes in injury time, I was dying inside because that was like we're so close. Please, I mean, and and the only thing I felt, the only thing I felt could undo us was a mistake. Yeah, I just thought the only thing it would be it would be getting caught in possession like Kovacic was, uh, you know, uh, at Villa or you know, or the goalkeeper getting caught in possession or kicking a ball straight to a player or. You know, a pass across the 18-yard box that goes astray. Some, something like that was what I was thinking. That that could undo us. A goal from open play. That's not going to undo us. We're not. We're not going to concede that. I genuinely thought that. Yeah, I, I would say everyone was a warrior and a champion. Uh, they really were. My moment was that one from Aspi, which, when you're looking on the normal TV, you think, yeah. Decent enough clearance. And when you see it from the angle behind the goal, you realise, A, how close he is to the goal, and B, how he actually kind of scoops it over the bar. And you go, oh, my God, that's genius, or a bit of luck, or both. I don't know. And then I thought, that's it. We are we are definitely we are definitely going to win. After the, about... The other, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I was, gonna, I was, I was just going to say, um, the other player that, for me... Um, has had a lot of stick and I thought played his greatest ever game for Chelsea was Jorginho. I thought he was superb. Uh, I thought it was without doubt his finest moment for us. He got given a role and he did it with such due diligence. I'm glad you said it. Because yeah, I, I, I think he's fantastic. I, and a lot of people have, have gone, yeah, it was great. It really was a sublime performance from him. He was he, Mikel. <laughs> yeah, he was Mikel. I was just going to say, he was Mikel. Mikel was, he was man a of the rock. match in the, in, in, in the 2012 yes, Cup final yes, by a mile. And I don't think Jorginho was man of the match. But, you know, I, I've been a big supporter of Jorginho this season. I don't understand the hate he gets. I genuinely don't understand it because, he, for me, if there's a double six, he's got to be in it because he just... He defines the tempo. He's a big game player. He's got elite mentality. He's got elite mentality in the big games. He never looks phased. He never looks broken. He never looks down. He just keeps going. He's calm on the ball. And you need all that in, in big games. And I just thought he was understated. He was professional. I think next to Kante, he kept it organised. He kept it clean. He kept it tidy. And I think anybody that has any doubts uh, uh, about Marie, uh, about Jorginho, needs to lock them up in a drawer and forget about them because he was brilliant in that game. And all yeah, this, I don't was. quite know what he does. Well, have a look. Just he did what he to, did the other think night. think about it, you yeah. know, because, you know, all this, I don't quite know what he does stuff. Just, just ignore that now. You know, he's part of that engine in that team. 
you know, and he's yeah, a bit, I've he always is. said it, he's a bit like the bass player in a band. Don't really notice him, but if you took him out of the band, you'd really notice because there'd be yeah. no bass. No, he was. He was He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, look, you know, I, I feel bad if there's anyone I haven't mentioned because everybody was, was absolutely incredible. Um, Kovacic came on. I, I can't remember. He he's one. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was quite interesting Just to see Mason really, Mount. Wasn't it? Just in energy. It was, it was interesting to see. And Mason Mount, I, we haven't mentioned him probably enough but he was he was amazing he 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 totally outshone phil foden um you know i I think he showed that he is at a level above foden at the moment foden's going to be a fantastic player there's no doubt about it but mount has the experience on his side now and he looks a different gravy but i loved it when when he he came off and kovacic came on because mount looked almost shocked yeah. You're taking me off. Well, he's playing over fifty games this season or something stupid. I know, <laughs> and, and you know why he's doing it. But it was like, I can't believe it. You're taking me off. It, it was quite, quite an interesting moment, you know. But, um, but yeah, Kovacic came on. Uh, he's won three Champions League medals before, but I'm not sure he's made an appearance in any of those three finals. I don't know either. It's interesting. No, I, th- I think he hasn't. So I think, or he made a couple of minutes or something. So he actually finally. Won a, a Champions League medal. He was a great player uh, to bring on in that situation as well. And he did his job. Yeah, he was he, came on he with was energy, perfect with 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 you know with intensity. Um, he can hold the ball. You know he he was perfect player to bring on in that situation. Yeah, and there was no no not even a hint of the Kovacic we saw at Villa. He was he was on the money. Well, he was from rusty the, at Villa. He hadn't played for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, but even still, you, you know what I mean. That yeah. you, you worry always oh, a bit of rustiness. Will he be okay? He was absolutely perfect to bring. Not a big on. game player. You know, comes from a big club. He's played in big big finals before. A lot of experience. You know, good player to bring on in that situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then apart from that one that Mares put over the bar, which I have to say, I hate that that thing Mendy does because he crouches when he can't get to something and he just turns his head and you think that's either going right in the top corner 50 yards away from it mate oh my god it was (laughs) it was just it was just like Oh, it's over. I, I, you, and it was weird. It's one of those, because of the perspective, you couldn't tell whether it's flying in the roof of the net or going over the bar. And it was only when you realised everyone turned and walked, it's gone out for a goal kick. Yeah. But that that was my only real nervy moment. And I have to say that Seven we end up... Seven minutes of injury time was a nervy <laughs> moment, I have to say, well, when they put that board good. up. <laughs> well, we know why that was. Well, we because... know why it was, but you know, we kind of expected it. But when they put seven minutes up, that always gives a boost to the opposition. Yeah, I'd say I felt very sorry for De Bruyne in that challenge. There's no doubt Rudiger tried to, did block him off, but he didn't go out to hurt him. You know, it was a horrible collision. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to run into Antonio Rudiger, would you? He's been brilliant, hasn't he, Rudy? We haven't really spoken yeah. about him. You know. Well, no, but this is where I was going to go on yeah. to Rudy here because, you know, there's no doubt that that was not done with malice. He was blocking him off. And I feel sorry for De Bruyne because he's bust his nose and his eye socket, hasn't he? So he's probably out of the Euros now. But th- that was a horrible moment when you see a player. And when you saw him and his face was so mashed up. Uh, you uh, know, that, that's that's... That's the intensity of these occasions, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rudiger's wearing a mask. He's been on the receiving end of it, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, yeah, Rudiger, I mean, again, another player that Tuchel has taken to a level. I don't think he was even like this in his first year because 
there's something different about him now under Tuchel. Tuchel has got this guy playing in such a fashion that, you know, whoever thought we'd see marauding Rudiger, not that he did the other night, but all those sort of things. He, he has advanced as a player. Another one that Tuchel has made better as a player. Some players just need the love of the right manager. manager. Yeah. Well, some players just need to be told by the manager how much they care and, 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 and how much they mean to the team. And I think Rudiger just need, needed the affirmation. Didn't get it off Frank. Didn't get it off him at all. And and I think that, you know, off Tuchel, Tuchel said, I've rate you. I've watched you for years. You know, I would have bought you at other clubs. You know, I think that you can be a you know, you can be a leader in this in this in this back line. I'm not gonna drop you. And 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 Rudiger's responded to that. Sometimes players just need that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um and then that was it. Suddenly the whistle went. And I I just want to say just before that, the thing that made me laugh is here's Man City, this fine-flowing bunch of footballers, resorting to three long throws from Kyle Walker. No, and that, that was them. it. Yeah, they were. They were well, apparently he was, he was practising them was, before yeah. the game. Yeah. So, you know, but anyway, the whistle finally went and we were champions again and we get that second star to our name. What was that like in the stadium? Well, it was about, I would imagine it's the same as it was when at home, completely euphoric, you know. I mean, there's, there's nothing like studying the referee, do you know what I mean, watching the referee, because I had my stopwatch on my phone, I knew when the seven minutes was up, and, you know, just watching the referee, and when the referee puts his arms up and blows those three whistles, you know, you're just like, that's, that's it. We've, somehow we seem to have won the Champions League. It's utterly surreal. Yeah, absolutely. Surreal. And, you know, why are we even in the Champions League final? This doesn't make any sense. And we, we seem to have gone ahead and won it, you know. Um, and, you know, the, it's relief, isn't it, at that moment? Yeah. Relief and euphoria. The happiness is a few minutes later. But at that moment, it's just release and relief and euphoria. And, and there's two things out of what you've just said that I'd like to touch on. When you think it was only a matter of months ago that we were getting decimated by Bayern Munich... And you think we are so far from being a top side in Europe. Cut forward to this game and we've beaten Atletico Madrid convincingly. We've beaten Real Madrid convincingly. We've beaten Man City convincingly. And we've beaten Sevilla and we've beaten Porto, who are no mugs either. No, exactly. Well, they're, they're hard but work, they're durable. No if you don't, exactly. If you don't take... You, you know, your chances, and if you don't play the game properly, they beat you. I totally agree. They, they it wasn't were an proper... easy run, is what I'm saying. No, it you wasn't, know, was it, absolutely. Wasn't no, we won, we've won this. This yeah. hasn't just been, oh, we've had the luck of the draw. We've had to win this yeah. tournament. Um, and the, the other thing I, I would like to say, you touched on the referee, Lahoz. For me, it was one of the great refereeing performances in a high-profile game of football. He was very good. He was superb. He tried to let the game flow. He understood. He took no nonsense. And it was summed up by, for me, that two things. The Reese James handball, when the City player surrounded him, and he patted his chest to say chest, and then patted his arm to say arm. He explained all his decisions, and he took no nonsense. And just to show how much he didn't take nonsense, when Rudiger and De Bruyne were down, and Rudiger stayed down, probably longer than he needed to because he was just trying to make it look as though he is a bit hurt as well. He went over and and helped pick him up to his feet and then gave him the yellow card. And I just thought that was so classy. You know, no nonsense, 
brilliant. And, and I don't know if you've seen the footage, but at the end of the game, he was in floods of tears as well. So, yeah, I mean, hats off to him. Fantastic referee. And it's just nice to have good words to say about a referee for a change because he sets the benchmark for, for other referees around the world, I'd say. I'll tell you what was weird at the end of the game was that the trophy lift was on the pitch. It wasn't, it wasn't up in the, you know, in, in, yeah. in the equivalent of the Royal Box. And the Chelsea players gave a guard of honour to Man City as they went up to get their, their losers' medals. Yes. Um, which was, I thought, a really nice touch. It was, a really, yeah. it was a really good touch. I don't know if that came across. They did it for the, the refs TV. as well. Yeah, yeah they did. did. Oh, no. okay. It's just that, you know, I, mean, I hadn't seen that before and I thought that was quite classy because obviously whoever loses is devastating. We've been there. We lost in Moscow. We know how devastating that is. And, um, you know, I think that it was a good game and City should be applauded for taking part in a good game. You know, they, they, they were the losers. They, you know, to the victors, the spoils. And of course, you know, we were able to go on and celebrate with fireworks and trophy lifts and crazy dancing to one step beyond, you know, as we were. But to, to do it in a proper way and to acknowledge the end of a really good competition and, and, and good opposition, I thought that was a classy thing to do. Yeah, I, I just think we, we have become classier under Tuchel. I, I really one, one, do. One, one thing about class, though, there were still a few fans booing the, the taking of the knee. You know, oh, I don't did, get it. It's happening put, everywhere. It did put a little bit of a downer on it for me. I had th- three mouth breathers behind me, um, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs and booing, you know, the, the, you know, get up, get off your knees and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you know what, you just do one, just do one. It was the only... Yeah. That was the only downer of a brilliant day was having to share the stands with idiots like that. So I would say to yeah. you, if you're listening, don't boo it. It's none of your business. If they want to take the knee and show respect and, and raise the, the, the profile of, uh, of this situation, players want to do that. It's nothing to do with me. Shut your mouth. Yeah, um, well said. And also the, the other thing I'd like to say, I don't know if you saw Tiago Silva's uh, tweet or was it Instagram? I can't remember now. But he said, I would like to say that the person who brought me to this club was Frank Lampard and I will be forever grateful, I think is what he said. And and yeah. I think that, that that's absolutely true. You know, Frank is in that win as well as everyone else, 100%, you know. 100%. Yeah. You know, look at those uh, young players. Look at look at um, Rhys James. Look at Mason Mount. You know, look at look at Thiago Silva. His his DNA is in that win. I totally agree. Deserves some credit for it. Yeah, and and the last thing I'd like to say is, you know, it does look as though Tammy Abraham is on his way. But I thought it was wonderful to see the way that he celebrated with his friends, with everyone that he knows. There was no sort of sulking or anything. He took part in those celebrations, and I thought that was also very well, classy from him. him. Yeah, Edison, yeah, Alonso, you know, players that you think they may not be here Yeah, but they, all, they were all on the bench. Tammy wasn't even on the bench, yeah. you know. I mean, that, that's that got to be tough. Two left-backs on a bench, and you you can't get on. But, you know, this is... look. In Tuchel we trust. That's all we can say, isn't yeah. it? Now he's played a blinder, in Tuchel isn't he? we trust. You know, yeah, I, mean, he I, has. I think Frank did a lot of good for the club. I think that he, as a manager, of course, as a player, he's untouchable. There's no no doubt about it. I mean, we set that to one side. But as a manager, I think he came in, he gave youth their shot. He he he, you know, turned the ship around away from buying, you know, sort of buying off the shelf and and, de- and develop players. I think he made some errors with some players that have been rectified by Tuchel. Um, I think that he, you know, he got us to a situation where another manager was able to take over and and, and move it forward. 
Um, I hope, you know, one day Frank becomes the manager that I hope he can be, you know, and I, I wish him nothing but luck. He'll always be a legend at the club as a player. Um, and I think we can thank him for the work that he did as a manager. But I think the focus has now got to shift to Tuchel. It's got to yeah. shift to him now. And we have to we have to just back him 100% now. And the Frank era came and it went. And, and, and now it's, it's the Tuchel era. Let's move forward with yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that that was it. We, we, I, I was, I was never prouder of a team than what they achieved this weekend, um, because they, they were just magnificent. They stuck to a task. They were the underdogs. They performed and achieved everything we could possibly have asked for. There was no doubt that the best team in Europe in a cup competition won it this year you know that we were the best cup side without a doubt we performed above and beyond the call of duty and we discovered a lot about players that we didn't know and now we do they they will be legends just like the 2012 guys this lot have actually just written their names in Chelsea history and for that I will be eternally grateful you know we, we we now go beyond just having one win, we are now catching Man United up for Champions League wins. They've already caught them up, should have won in Moscow. <laughs> of course, but you have to lose one to just make it work. That that's then you just don't take it for granted. You know, it's yeah, of course we should have won it, but we've still got two victories, and we've got two victories in modern history. Yeah, let's no, not forget that. Absolutely, well said. I, I totally agree with all of that. I, you know, I would just say an amazing day. An amazing performance by the team, an amazing performance by the supporters in terms of supporting the, the club. I thought I thought we we as a fan base were brilliant. You know, just just that little you know sort of you know black spot aside. You know, I think the supporters were incredible. Um, I thought the team were incredible. I think it's been an incredible end to the season. It's been a fantastic year to to do this podcast with you, Kerry. It's been the last one we should tell people. You know, till we till we come back. Um, and you know it's been it's been an absolute pleasure and a real roller coaster. Uh, look, already looking forward to next season now. Um, so have a great summer and have a great summer, everybody. And uh, we'll be back hopefully for for the start of a you know a whole new celebration of football in uh, whenever it is. When do we start playing football again? August? I don't know. Can't remember. Oh yeah. Well, we've got uh, haven't we got the Super Cup on August the eleventh? Oh yeah, in at Windsor, Windsor Park. Yeah. yeah. So. That might be worth thinking about. Yeah. And other than that, take care, everyone. Um, we'll keep in touch with you. Uh, and just remember, keep the blue flag flying high because we've got two stars. Imagine not being Chelsea. No, I'm not going to. That sounds horrible. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.